You're listening to the Empath Insights Podcast, and in today's episode, I'm talking about how your own thoughts can drain your energy level. Stay tuned. I'm Rachel Hudson, and I help empaths just like you learn to thrive, learn to stop absorbing other people's stress, and embrace your natural gifts. I also teach you how to manage your sensitivities in this sometimes insensitive world we live in. Well, hello. I am so happy to be back with you. And yeah, we're still kind of talking about this negativity thing and how your own thoughts can affect your energy level, how your thoughts can make you feel drained, and how being in the now and changing some of your thoughts can be the path to freedom. Now, your thoughts can absolutely affect your energy level. And I know there's a lot of talk about this toxic positivity. And I don't really have a problem with that statement, because I kind of get where people are coming from. But let's give some equal airtime to toxic negativity. Okay, these are your thoughts. So I do understand the whole toxic positivity thing. But I'm going to talk about how your thoughts can really affect you. Okay, it is no secret that your negative thoughts can affect everything around you. Now, your thoughts can trigger a biochemical reaction in your body. That is science. That is what goes on in the body. Okay. Ever heard of stress hormones? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, positive attitudes also boost well-being, this feel-good energy, by also producing hormones, these endorphins, these feel good hormones in the body. So negative attitudes can deplete all of the positive energy vibes by increasing stress hormones. I know this might sound a little crazy, or a little bit, uh, you might be rolling your eyes, but I'm going to talk about positive self talk. Because I know for a fact in my own life and in my coaching sessions that positive self-talk is a powerful, powerful form of affirmation that stops you from focusing on negative and or fear-based thoughts. Now, if we look back through the, just say the winter months, I know while I'm recording this, it is in June. So there's plenty of sunlight, there's plenty of daylight. And a lot of times our moods kind of even out just because of the season. But during winter, when there's not a whole lot of light, and listen, I live in Texas, and we get a lot of light, but I still get affected by a lot less daylight. And empaths and sensitive people during that time, we might 
be more prone to depressive moods, seasonal affective disorder. I certainly am. It really, really affects me, especially if I'm not mindful in getting outside and having a good routine about getting outside. And this is where positive self-talk can help you through this. Now, why am I talking about the wintertime right now? Because now in the middle of summer is a great time to start this routine, this practice, this habit, if you will. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples. And I think we all relate to like examples and stories. Just say that you are burned out from being around too many people. That is really common with empaths. So instead of beating yourself up for declining an invitation, which, you know, we do, you're like, oh, I feel kind of bad, but no, (laughs) I don't want to go. You can actually remind yourself. And at the end of the day, you can write down something like, hey, it is okay to take alone time and decompress. And it's okay to decline an invitation. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. So instead of beating yourself up, you can just kind of change some of the wording around that, giving yourself a little bit of a break. Or just say you have decided that you're like, I just need just a few hours to like watch a good movie on Netflix or go to the movies or do something for myself. And I do see this a lot. That's why I'm bringing it up. So rather than criticizing yourself for being lazy or thinking that you're being lazy, you could say like, it is so great that I went and watched this movie. I needed it. I needed a little bit of a break. It's not an excuse. You're doing something good for yourself. And it's all about creating balance. Because if we're always feeling bad for doing something good for us, we're not really going to do those things that much anymore, because it's just going to create some negative vibes in our body. So what does positive self talk do? Positive self talk, it actually helps reprogram our own tendency to focus on fear and negativity. Now, if we're thinking about the mind or the brain, the brain loves to solve problems. It loves to make connections. It loves to catastrophize. And that's just the mind's way or the brain's way of, you know, keeping us safe. But switching some of those thoughts around, we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts every single day. So switching some of those thoughts around can make it feel a little bit more natural if we practice. But if we're practicing really dipping into that negativity, we're going to feel like it's it's actually a comfort level for us. It's a kind of a safe place for us to hang out. And it's really not. And then we wonder why we're so tired all the time. So we can't control all of the events in your life, in our lives, but we can control our attitude. And it really just starts with a couple of really simple changes that I'll talk about in a few minutes. 
But I want to give you some some other little bullet points that I have written down because I I find this really interesting. I get coached on it at least once a week with my coach, and this is what I work with um, work on with my clients. So think about your negative, stressful thoughts can be addictive. Example: It has been raining here for quite a while, like it feels like a month, but yeah, we wish for rain, but we literally can't control the weather. So I have a funny example or a cute example. My yoga student, my yoga buddy, my yoga friend, she comes over three times a week and we do yoga together. Now we love doing yoga outside in the summer. It's kind of our thing, but we have not been able to do it very much lately until we've been setting up inside, which is fine. And we're trying to change our our thought pattern on the rain situation. And we came up with, we started laughing because we're like, hey, well, at least we don't have to run our sprinkler system. (laughs) So we're saving money. So we just kind of laughed it off. And, you know, I think, what what are you going to do? What can you do? But just maybe change your attitude about things a little bit. I know the rain is kind of a simple thing. But I mean, if it's been raining for a month, some people are like, oh, give me a break. Right? Now, it might be a little too hard in the beginning to stop thinking negative thoughts especially if you're around a bunch of negative people. I get it. Negative thoughts are obsessive and repetitive. Okay, they're repetitive and they can keep replaying over and over in your mind relentlessly throughout the day. And this is when the thoughts can drain you. You're like, why am I so tired? Just say that you had like, I don't know, um, a little bit of an argument that wasn't a big deal, but you got home later on and it ended up, you thought about it for days and days and then you're exhausted and then nothing else happened because all you did was sit around and think about this negative conversation that you had with this person. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Now, this is why you need to take control Because these thoughts are a form of self-inflicted suffering. If you need to rewind this, please do. I'm going to say it again. These thoughts are a form of self-inflicted suffering. Um, Who was it that said this little statement? Oh, I think it was Dave Ramsey. I like listening to Dave Ramsey occasionally. And he was talking, I guess he was counseling somebody about getting fired from a job. And he's like, at some point, you are a willing participant. And I just, I laughed. And I'm like, that's the same thing. My thoughts are draining me. But I'm a willing participant. I showed up to the party, to the negativity party. Okay, so own your part of it. Please don't let your thoughts define the way you see yourself and the world because they're not reality. Your thoughts are a choice. Your thoughts are the things that drive feelings and our feelings drive our actions, right? Now, this is something that you might want to ask yourself, how would my life change if I knew these thoughts weren't real? So these are some solutions here. Your thoughts, what if they're not exactly true. 
I want you to be in the space of challenging negative thoughts. This is a perfect opportunity to write that out on paper because when we see it on paper and we're slowly writing it out, yes, handwritten, we actually, our brain slows down just enough so it doesn't do this whole like snowball effect, runaway train with all these negative thoughts. You're taking your time to write these thoughts down and then we're going to call some BS on it. Like, are these thoughts really real? They don't have to be. Think of a lot of your thoughts as false messages. If you continue to believe the false messages that your thoughts send you, you will most likely be tired and unhappy. Now, I will tell you that I got coached on this a few weeks ago. I take my own medicine. Yes, I do get coached. (laughs) And this was, and I knew it in my head that it wasn't really a problem, but I was like, it's bugging me so bad that I'm going to get coached on it. And I kind of knew it was just me, but it was this, like, it was like this obsessive thought. So my coach was like, couple things. What if, okay, what if this is just a thought? This is just something you've decided to believe. What if it's not even true? I thought, oh, shoot, busted. (laughs) And I still wanted to go with this story. I was holding on to the story so tightly. I didn't want to give it up. And she's like, if you don't let go of your story, you're going to continuously, you're going to have these obsessive thoughts about it. And you're just going to start to believe it. And she's like, what if you said to this thought or about this thought, so what? And I started to laugh. Like, so what? It could be this thing, like, listen, someone can pull out in front of you and you're going to make it mean something. Ask me how I know. (laughs) We're like, what a jerk. How dare you pull out in front of me, make me slam on my brakes. And then we have this story about this person who pulled out in front of us. What if we said, So what? (laughs) What if we made it mean something different? What if it doesn't mean they're a jerk? Which is our first thought probably, right? So ask yourself, so what? This person said something and you didn't agree with it. So what? Or maybe this person says something And we're just making it mean the extreme. But what if nothing has really gone wrong? Now, how do we get there? (laughs) How do we get from this thought is true? I'm always going to believe it. This person did this thing to me or said this thing to me to so what? Now, one of the things I have for you is being in the now. What does that mean? Being fully present is a way of slowing down time so that you can savor the time. Being in the now. 
and we might get trapped in obsessing about the past or the future. That's why being in the now is so important. Now being trapped in this obsessive thought about the past or the future causes us to suffer. Being obsessed about the future is just worry. Worry is just creative visualization. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you can worry, you can visualize. People tell me all the time, oh, Rachel, I can't visualize. But they can worry. Okay, ask yourself. So we have all these stories in our head about what we can and can't do. And sometimes we obsess about the past. Like, let's say, why did I stay in that job for so long? Why did I stay with that person for so long? And obsessing about the future might look something like conjuring up the worst case scenario about some random area in life. That is what the mind loves to do. It likes to create these scenarios. The mind likes to have problems so it can solve it. It's like the mind's always looking for a puzzle to solve. This is called catastrophizing, my friends. And it's a pattern. It's a psychological process. It's a pattern. And once we recognize the pattern, like if we just call ourselves out on it, like, hey, you know what? I'm really catastrophizing here. I'm worrying about something that, number one, I have no control over. Or the past is the past. Why am I obsessing about it? So when we recognize this pattern and we have our own back, we can gently redirect our thoughts to more positive ones. And when we do that and we say things like, so what? (laughs) Or, hey, that's just a thought. When we do that, we lessen our tension. And let's, let's swing back to the, these hormones in the body, these stress hormones. All it takes is a thought to change that. Now let's talk about mindfulness. I know mindfulness is kind of a buzzword and people are like, I don't even understand what mindfulness is, but mindfulness is just a practice of being in the moment without judgment, without these extra thoughts that are unnecessary. It's about focusing on what's happening right here and right now. Now focusing on the present moment, think about like maybe you're reading a book or what's another example. Okay, let me just go back to yoga. Yoga is one of the most, I think the the best example of mindfulness. We talked about this when I would teach in big classes and people would come up to me. They're like, oh, during that class, I didn't think about, you know, my boss who was being a jerk earlier or the fight that I had with, you know, whoever, spouse, child, whatever the situation. They're like, I was so focused on balancing and balance can really help you with concentration Yoga is the perfect mindfulness exercise. You're balancing. You are doing a couple of different things at once and it requires your full, full attention in the present moment. 
So that's a really good example, I think. Yoga. Also, writing. Writing. Getting your thoughts on paper. You really can't get distracted. You're going slow. You're writing it out slow. You're thinking about things. And the mindfulness exercise, that just happens. It's on paper. It's a beautiful exercise. So you're bringing yourself back by refocusing on the task at hand. Mindfulness can be washing dishes, right? Mindfulness can be a breathing exercise. Mindfully bringing yourself back by refocusing on the rhythm of your breath. You can focus on your senses. I do have a meditation on my website. It's called Meditation Through the Five Senses. And one of my favorite mindfulness exercises is, it sounds really simple, and I've said it before, walking outside, but not just walking outside. It's almost like a walking meditation. I am, I did this the other day. We have a trail by the house. It's about uh, door to door. It's about a mile down there and a mile back. And I had my phone, but I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to use my headphones. I'm not going to listen to anything. I'm going to listen to the sounds of, I don't know, nature, traffic, whatever it is. Hyper aware of the sights and the smells, especially it had been raining a lot. So it smelled different outside and just the beauty all around me. And what this does, it gets us out of our head, out of the worry and back into the now. If you're ready to start thriving as an empath, I'd love to invite you to work with me one-on-one. Go to my website, rachelkhudson.com and click the tab that says work with me and we can schedule a free consultation. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Be kind to yourself. Say nice things to yourself and be kind to others. 